Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today we start a brand new week of bringing clarity to the chaos with guest Russ Briault as he begins a new teaching series looking at the mystery of the Shroud of Turin. I want to start today's program by saying thank you to everyone who contacted us last week during the premiere week of Jonathan Kahn's brand new book and DVD set, The Return of the Gods. Phone calls and emails from all over the country came pouring in, wanting to get all the details on Jonathan Kahn's brand new study. The good news is we still have some of his new books and eight DVD set available. Don't wait, though. Order The Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online swrc.com. That's swrc.com. The Shroud of Turin is a centuries-old linen cloth that bears the image of a crucified man, a man that millions believe to be Jesus of Nazareth. Is it really the cloth that wrapped his crucified body, or is it simply a medieval forgery, a hoax perpetrated by some clever artist? Modern science has completed hundreds of thousands of hours of detailed study and intense research on the Shroud. It is, in fact, the single most studied artifact in human history, and we know more about it today than we ever have before. And yet, the controversy still rages. In today's cutting-edge teaching presentation, Russ Brialt presents evidence for the authenticity of the Shroud of Turin. One of the most mysterious pieces of cloth in human history has to be the Shroud of Turin. Now, if you're not familiar with the cloth, the Shroud of Turin is a linen cloth that bears the image of a crucified man, a man that millions of people believe to be Jesus Christ. Is the Shroud of Turin really the cloth that wrapped the Lord's crucified body, or is it simply a forgery made by some clever artist? My guest on the program today has been researching and lecturing on the Shroud of Turin for over 30 years. His name is Russ Brialt, and he's here to dive into the mystery of the Shroud of Turin. Russ, welcome to the Watchman on the Wall. It's great to have you on the program. Hey, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, now, Russ, you've been researching and lecturing on the Shroud for over 30 years. How did you come to be so fascinated with the Shroud of Turin? Well, I'm going to have to confess it's over 40 years now. There was a whole team of scientists that went to Turin, Italy in 1978. 33 American scientists had permission to study this cloth for a week, for five days, working in shifts round the clock. And they brought with them all kinds of gear, spectroscopy, x-radiography, infrared thermography, and photomicroscopy. And their mission was to find out one thing, and what is the cause of the image. Mm-hmm. And so this was making huge news all the time in 1978, 79, 80. And in June of 80, National Geographic came out with a big article about it. I was a writer for the college newspaper. I asked if I could write a couple stories on it, which I did. And then by the time I completed my research on it to write the story, I was hooked. And I'm saying, man, this is one seriously cool mystery. 
and nobody knows anything about it. It just kind of grew from there, and then I began lecturing at various churches and schools around the Southeast, and it just kind of took a life of its own, and I've been involved ever since. I have to say this, that when I, when I learned about the Shroud, I was a brand new Christian. I was maybe a believer for only about a year at that point, mm-hmm. and, and I got massively born again when I came to the faith. And my interest in the Shroud has always been from an evangelistic perspective. In other words, I came out of 23 years of atheism because my dad was a professing atheist, and I just figured, well, I guess that's the way things are. But obviously God had other plans. So when I learned about the Shroud, it was more from a perspective of, my goodness, could there be a document of the most significant event in human history the crucifixion and resurrection of the Son of God. Is that even possible? That's what has driven my interest in the Shroud and still drives it to this very day, is not to prove to you that the Shroud is in fact the burial shot of Jesus, but the fact that it remains an unsolved mystery after all this science, that we can't figure out how this image came to be, that's just ridiculous. I mean, because clearly, if this was the work of an artist, We would have figured that out a hundred years ago with a simple magnifying glass. And so the fact that this still is stumping 21st century science, (laughs) that's a pretty strong proof point for authenticity for me. Well, Russ, I would imagine that most people are familiar with the Shroud of Turin, but for those who are not, would you give us a quick summary? What is it about the Shroud of Turin that makes this more than just some piece of cloth? It's a long, narrow linen cloth. It's 14 feet long, three and a half feet wide, and it is etched with the image of about a five foot ten, possibly even six foot man who bears all the wounds of crucifixion as suffered by Jesus. He has a very clear pattern of blood stains all around the head from an apparent crown of thorns. They're scourging all over the body, over 120 scourge marks where this man was whipped. There are nail wounds in the wrists, nail wounds in the feet. There is a wound in the side. The legs aren't broken. And everything is consistent with what we see happen to Jesus in the Gospel account. Right down to the cloth itself, which is a very expensive three-to-one herringbone pattern weave, doable in the first century, but it's expensive. And what does the Scripture say? Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, purchased a fine linen cloth. Even down to the cloth itself matches the gospel account. Rush, you said there's a front and a back image on the shroud of a crucified man. When we see documentaries and programs on television about the shroud, the front image gets most of the attention. The back image on the shroud does not get much notice at all, does it? No, and it should because there's so much data there. I mean, clearly, this man was brutally scourged, and it's very evident on the back. It's somewhat evident on the front. You can see some scourge marks on the front chest and thighs. But on the back, it's very clear. This man was brutalized, which is a really interesting point because most people who were crucified were either crucified to be executed or they were scourged and released as a form of punishment. Rarely would someone be scourged and crucified because the Romans, They expected them to stay alive on the cross as long as possible because it was as much humiliation and a spectacle as it was execution. If they were looking for a quick execution, they would just cut your head off. 
So why was Jesus scourged so badly? Because Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea, didn't think Jesus was guilty of a crime worthy of capital punishment. And so you know the story. First he sent him to King Herod. Herod sends him back, and then he tried to trade Barabbas, and that didn't work. And so finally he has him scourged to within an inch of his life, thinking that when this bloodied hulk of a man came walking back into the courtyard, that maybe they'd say, okay, that's enough. You don't have to kill him. But that's not what happened. They still called out for his crucifixion. And so that is clear on the shroud. So everything lines up medically, forensically. There, the blood stains are AB blood type with a high content of bilirubin. Bilirubin is an enzyme that is released into the bloodstream during conditions of severe stress, <laughs> maybe like crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And then you have taken from a blood stain from the back of the head, we have the DNA of a human male DNA. And then you have an image which is not the result of any artistic substances. So in other words, your either-or proposition with the shroud is that it either is the authentic borrowed shroud of Jesus, or it's not. And if it's not, well, then what is it? Well, if it's not authentic, then it must be the work of human effort, some way, somehow. But there's no trace of any kind of paint, ink, dye, pigmentation, stain. There are no artistic substances on the cloth to account for the image. And there is no discernible process by which this alleged artist used to create the image. So this is why it remains an unsolved mystery. We can't figure it out. Russ, I want to ask you about something the Bible says about the burial cloth of Jesus. The 20th chapter of John's Gospel describes Peter and John running to the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did they see? John gets there first and waits. Peter finally hobbles along and gets there afterwards, and he goes straight inside the tomb. And then Peter sees the linen cloth lying there, and then John goes in after him, He sees the linen cloth lying there and believes. Believes what? Well, believes that he had risen, or believes that he believed that something extraordinary had occurred. And so this is a very important point, is the fact that it wasn't the empty tomb. Because remember, Mary, she's the first one to see the empty tomb. She looks inside, sees that the body's gone, runs to find the apostle. And she says, quote, Someone has taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they've put him. So she thinks the body's stolen. Peter and John run back down. As we said, they stoop down, go inside the tomb, and based on the evidence of the linen cloth lying there, John believes. So it begs the question of what did John see that Mary didn't see? Obviously, something specifically related to the linen shroud. Now, Did he see images on it? I have no idea what he saw. But it is interesting that I know that the Scripture does not mention specifically about the burial shroud bearing any image, like there's no reference in Scripture about it. And there's a reason for that. But it is interesting that all the way back to the 6th century, there is liturgy that translates that exact same verse of Scripture, John chapter 20, verse 5. It says, Peter and John ran to the tomb and saw the recent imprint of the dead and risen man on the linen. Well, now that's 1,500 years old. Does it go all the way back to the first century? I don't know. 
But it begs the question, what did John see? And obviously, even as far back as the 6th century, there was knowledge and awareness of this cloth in existence with an image on it. Russ, I know that you like to remind people that Jesus was Jewish to emphasize Jewish burial customs. What is so significant about Jewish burial customs? With regard to what happened to Jesus, is that he died by violent deaths, where there's significant loss of blood. And in such a case, the body is not washed, and the body is wrapped in a single linen shroud and placed into the ground that day. If you're in a car wreck in Tel Aviv right now, and you're Jewish with loss of blood, they would not remove your clothes, they would not wash your body, they'd simply wrap you in a shroud, maybe in this case, and put you in a casket, but you'll be in the ground that day. And so blood always has to remain with the body, because life is in the blood. Mm -hmm. And so what we see with the shroud is consistent with a man who died by violent death in accordance with Jewish burial practices. You've mentioned much of the scientific evidence, so let's continue going down that road. What was the 1978 Shroud of Turin project? What kinds of tests did they perform, and what was their conclusion? Well, they performed lots of different tests, but their conclusion is simply the fact that this image is not the result of substances. So the big question is, okay, if it's not the result of substances, then how come we see this image? Now, bear in mind, it's very faint. The bloodstains are actually more prominent. But the cause of the image is that something caused the accelerated dehydration and oxidation of the cellulose fibers composing the linen made out of flax. So in other words, a flax plant, they harvest the stalk of the plant to spin it into flax yarn, and this flax would be 100% cellulose and probably 80% water. Something caused the flax to dry out and oxidize, but only in those areas immediately surrounding a body. So in other words, the image is the result of a discoloration of the cloth from this process. Now the question is, what caused that? And of course, we have no idea, but there's a lot of reason to speculate that it may be the resurrection itself. Because one of the things that we see here, you have a whole pattern of blood stains, and then you have the image of the man. Well, the interesting thing is that there's no image under the blood, which tells you something. It tells you that the blood was on the cloth first, followed by the image, which makes perfect sense if it's authentic, Good Friday followed by Easter Sunday, but it makes no sense if it's the work of an artist. In fact, there's any number of efforts to show how some alleged artists could have replicated the shroud, and they're all pretty terrible, and they all make the same mistake. They craft their image, and they paint the blood where it's supposed to go. No, no, no. Blood first, then image. <laughs> you do that, and man, you have accomplished something. And so this, again, is suggestive of the cloth being authentic. And you have a whole pattern of blood stains. But all of them occurred when he was alive, except the side wound. The side wound shows the clear separation of blood and blood serum, and that only occurs after death, when the blood is no longer circulating. So even the side wound is, correlates with the Gospel account, because remember, he was stabbed in the side to make sure he was dead blood before he could be released to Joseph of Arimathea for burial. 
and blood and water flowed, right? And blood and water, probably, well, in my view, it probably wasn't water. It looked like water. It's probably the separation of blood and blood serum. Mm-hmm, yeah. Russ, why is it when the shroud is photographed, the image seems more lifelike? This was the major discovery in 1898 that launched the shroud into the realm of scientific investigation. I mean, no other alleged relic has been investigated the way the shroud has, but what captivated the imagination of the world was with this brand new technology of photography, what emerged in the dark room of Secondo Pia, the Italian gentleman who was given the privilege to photograph it, was this amazing photo negative, the image appearing so much more lifelike, so much clearer in the photo negative. And this was so stunning to him that he almost fell out the apartment, his apartment window. <laughs> and he said, I felt like I saw the face of God. And so this is a stunning development is because why would this image look so much clearer in the photo negative? In fact, I challenge any of your viewers to go to Google and pull up an image of the shroud, and most everything you see is the photonegative image. Right. Because it shows up so much clearer. And again, that's one of those proverbial mysteries. And yet another reason why it can't be the work of some alleged medieval artist, because he wouldn't even have been aware that this image exists, because it's only revealed through photography, which was invented in 1830. Russ, if the shroud is fake, how could an artist fake a negative image? Well, that's the problem. It can't. In fact, there's a famous art historian, Thomas de Wesselow. He wrote a book on the shroud back in 2012 called The Sign. He's knowledgeable about all aspects of medieval art. He says there's no possible way that this is the work of a medieval artist, primarily because of the negative image, but also because of the way that the wounds are featured. There's nothing comparable to the shroud in all of art history. It stands singular and unique. God willing, we're going to have Russ Brealt back with us again next time to continue talking about the Shroud of Turin. Russ, thanks for a great conversation. I look forward to talking with you again. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll have more on the Shroud of Turin from Russ Brealt next time. Russ Brialt has been researching and lecturing on the Shroud of Turin for over 30 years. He has captivated hundreds of audiences from New York to Hawaii. College and university presentations include Duke, Auburn, Johns Hopkins, Penn State, and West Point, along with hundreds of church events. Today, we are offering three of his presentations that were originally presented at the Prophecy in the News Prophecy Summit. His presentations make use of over 200 superb images and unfolds like a CSI investigation. You are riveted as each clue is revealed and becomes another piece of a grand puzzle as the mystery of the shroud is explored. Carefully designed to be educational and entertaining, Mr. Brialt delivers a dynamic, fast-paced experience. The Shroud of Turin a Picture of the Rapture is available on DVD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Also available from our resource center today is the DVD entitled The Shroud of Turin, 
Shroud Science by Barry Schwartz. Both of these insightful DVDs can be yours when you call today, toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order online, swrc.com. And please remember that when you purchase a DVD or book from Watchmen on the Wall, you are supporting the work of this ministry. So thank you in advance for your order. We're blessed at Watchmen on the Wall with a wonderful group of contributors. They are our friends, and they bring biblical insight and perspectives that help us in our daily walk. With some of the time we have left together today, let's hear from two of those friends. Up first is Larry Stamm. Larry Stamm is an author, speaker, and teacher. He is committed to equipping Christians to confidently share Jesus. One of the ways he helps us do that is with a program called Messianic Minute. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here with the Messianic Minute, Biblical Connections Through a Jewish Lens. What does looking at a snake on a pole have to do with salvation? According to Jesus, much. In John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Here, Jesus refers to saving faith, from Numbers 21.8, where God responds to Moses' plea for mercy, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. While it was faith in looking at God's provision that saved many Israelites from physical death in Numbers 21, it's faith in Jesus that saves people from spiritual death today. For more connections, visit our website at larrystam.org or see our Larry Stam Ministries Facebook page. Be sure and check out all of Larry Stamm's resources at our website, swrc.com. One of those resources by Larry Stamm is the book and television series, Jewish Roots of Christianity. This year's prophecy calendar is based on the Jewish Roots of Christianity book and television series. This year, our calendar is a 16-month calendar and features all major biblical Jewish and Israeli holidays plus U.S. holidays. All dates are in both Jewish and Gregorian systems. Each day contains scripture references to help you read through the Bible in a year. Friends, you'll be blessed by the gorgeous photos and artwork. Each month spotlights an event in Jewish history and prophecy. And I'm excited to announce that part of the proceeds from each calendar go to the Onesimus Prison Ministry. When you order a calendar, a calendar is also sent to a prisoner. Order the 16-month Jewish Roots of Christianity calendar today, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order the calendars online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Remember, for every calendar you order, a calendar will be given to a prisoner free of charge. It's a great way to encourage others and share hope with those in prison. Order the brand new 16-month calendar today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. We have special pricing available on bulk orders with free shipping on all orders over $100. 1-800-652-1144 or order online swrc.com. 
Dr. Carl Baugh is the founder and director of Creation Evidence Museum in Glenrose, Texas, and is internationally known as a minister and special creation speaker. He holds a master's degree in archaeology and a Ph.D. in education, both from Pacific College of Graduate Studies. He's also the author of the best-selling book, Panorama of Creation, and the presenter on a special short feature, Creation Minute. Let's listen in and learn about God's creation from Dr. Carl Ball. Let's talk a minute. Did you know that the theory of evolution has major, major problems? There was a time I believed the theory of evolution, but no longer. Now, at the Creation Evidence Museum, we have the geologic column reintroduced. Near the bottom of that geologic column, using the actual rock from the actual strata of the earth, we have the Meister print. That is a human sandal print from Cambrian slate. Now, according to evolutionary theory, Cambrian slate is 530 million years old. What's a human sandal print doing in it, pressing against a trilobite? Well, the simple fact is that all of these rocks, sedimentary rocks, and their adjacent shelves were laid down during the worldwide flood of Noah's day. To learn more about God's wonderful creation, pick up a copy of Dr. Carl Baugh's groundbreaking book, Panorama of Creation. In Panorama of Creation, Dr. Baugh scientifically proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that special creation is the only scientific explanation for man's existence on the planet. This updated edition includes a new chapter that details how dinosaurs were a vital part of God's creation and examines what the Jurassic Park movie series got right and wrong. Panorama of Creation by Dr. Carl Ball. If you're a new listener to Watchmen on the Wall, make sure you request your new listener pack. In this packet, you'll find a special welcome letter from our president, Dr. Kenneth Hill, information about the ministry, and a free book. It's our way of saying thank you for being a new listener here at Southwest Radio Ministries. To request your new listener pack, which is absolutely free, call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And request your new listener pack today. Today we are featuring two outstanding DVDs on the Shroud of Turin, Russ Brialt's The Shroud of Turin, A Picture of the Rapture, and The Shroud of Turin, Shroud Science by Barry Schwartz. Both of these insightful DVDs can be yours when you call today, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144, or order online, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Russ Briot will continue his in-depth look of the Shroud of Turin. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by simply subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. 
Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.